Hi, everybody. This is Benny Biffle. And this is Sammy Schuster. And you're listening to TV Confidential. Confidentially. Hello, gorgeous. Let's check out how you look today. Short and stubby. And my gosh, look how much you weigh. Your pinkish red got this thing on your head. And whoa, girl, you couldn't look better. Ed Roberts with a reminder that you can now listen to TV Confidential on your smart speaker just by saying, Alexa, play TV Confidential. Enabling the TV Confidential, Alexa skill, is easy. To find out how to do it, go to televisionconfidential.com forward slash Alexa. Our colleague Greg Airbar recently chatted with Christopher Leonard's. Christopher Leonard's award-winning producer, composer, and conductor whose numerous contributions to television, film, and video games include Marvel's Agent Carter, ABC's Galavant, the Netflix version of Lost in Space, and the hit movie version of Alvin and the Chipmunks. Christopher Leonard's latest feature is the animated musical Ugly Dolls, starring Kelly Clarkson, and for which Christopher Leonard's created original songs with Glenn Slater, the lyricist for Disney's Tangled. Ugly Dolls, the movie, is playing in theaters everywhere, while the soundtrack for Ugly Dolls is available wherever music is sold. As we pick up the conversation, Greg says to Christopher Leonard's, Before we get into Ugly Dolls, I want to go over a couple of things. First of all, just briefly, tell me a little of the beautiful story of Christopher Leonard's. Ooh, the beautiful story. Let's see if I can do that. I'll do that in a nutshell. Well, I mean, the real fun, beautiful story is I I, uh, grew up with two parents who were teachers on the East Coast. I went to see a band when I was nine, and, and somebody was playing trumpet. I decided I wanted to play trumpet, and then about four years later, at 13, I said, geez, most of my favorite songs uh, have guitar in it. So I switched to guitar and ended up you know, playing in people's basements and garages and at parties all through high school, and then got serious, went to USC out here in California to basically try to be a studio guitar player and, uh, and maybe become a member of a band or something like that. And then my sophomore year in college, I ended up sneaking into a uh, recording session for a movie, and I didn't even know what it was. And magically enough, it turns out it was Henry Mancini. Ah. And I literally sat there all day, was told not to say a word. I watched and saw him conduct the orchestra and make changes and make producers happy with all different styles of music. And I literally walked out of that session and the next morning, I walked into the uh, registrar's office and said, I'm changing my major. I want to write music for movies. And that was sort of the beginning of the beautiful story was was that uh, I met Henry Mancini. He told me to call him Hank, and I, I decided that's what I wanted to do. I was lucky because USC has probably one of the top two, if not the top, film scoring program in the country. And they actually have a major uh, of composition with an emphasis in scoring for motion pictures and television. And so that's what I changed my major to as a sophomore, and I ended up studying with Elmer Bernstein as a senior. He was a brilliant, brilliant man. He certainly was. And one of the things about those composers that was unique, and only a handful of today's composers seem to do, is they have the ability to embrace melody. And they, what is the word for that? Is it motif? There's a Yeah, motif. Yeah, light motifs. Sort, yeah. Of a, sort of that Peter and the Wolf thing. Exactly. And Henry Mancini was great at that. Oh, he was so good at it. Oh, my goodness. So you could buy an album of Mancini music, and it would be a collection of melodies. Yep. 
and some soundtracks you can still do that with. Each group of characters or each scene has this type of theme to it, and it's not just bump up bum kind of stuff. Yeah, I love I love when it, it really has melodies for all the different characters and all that kind of thing. It's just it's just so it's so engaging. When you work with some of the productions, like you're working with a property that had an existing score for example i even have your uh, cd of from Russia with love the video game soundtrack <laughs> right then you're interpolating some of the john barry themes correct uh, sure yeah absolutely we uh, we used uh, obviously you know the main game which was obviously him and, and the monty norman story and all that but uh but yeah we used that we also used the from Russia with love theme and a couple of the other things and then i got to write some of my own but even that was definitely done in his style and that was the method from the very beginning which was great because he's one of my absolute favorite but for lost in space is that completely original or does that incorporate any of the no i get to use john's uh john's themes uh, uh, we so far on the last season we only used the what was actually the third season theme it's sort of the one that everybody knows and i i worked that and i have my own new theme and then i've got the overall theme that, of john's that i work in uh, I usually try to work it in at least once or twice an episode, which has been great because he's one of the main reasons I love film music. So uh, it was certainly such an honor to be able to use his themes. And do you also have like the sad do 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 or the da 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 or any of that stuff? Um, we never we don't use that in season one, but I'm doing season two right now, and it is absolutely possible that we may incorporate that. You, you know, it's like Star Trek had that da 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 Oh, yeah. Well, Star Trek had so many great little things, too. You know, so that was as emblematic of those properties as the properties themselves. In fact, I remember once when the very first film version of The Addams Family came out, and they tested it with and without the Vic Mizzy theme, and the audience went insane when the snap snap came on, and they all snapped their fingers. Oh, yeah, you can't even make that. I, as far as I'm concerned, you, can't, you, you shouldn't even touch a property like that without using the original theme, I don't think. Yeah, so there you go. Two of the projects I'm thrilled to talk to you about the most are, and I also met uh, Spike Brandt, who worked on them too, were the animated versions of the classic Capital Warner Brothers records. Oh, yeah. I uh, Taught I Taught Putty Tat and Daffy Duck's Rhapsody. I mean, many of us grew up memorizing those. Oh, me too. Me too. I love that. Oh, just brilliant, brilliant stuff. Did you have access to the to the music of those, or did you have to rebuild those completely? I had to rebuild them completely, but I did. I was able to use the thematic elements from all of those, of course. But I, I had to sort of reorchestrate and rearrange completely. What really makes you appreciate how. Uh, children's records tend to get, and that's sort of the interest that I have in those kind of vintage records of the 20th century, they tend to get dismissed as kind of cutesy and all that. But when you break them down, the brilliance of how intricate those are put together, how fast the lyrics are, how clever they are. and music Oh, that, it's pure, it's so, it's so complex, and so it is so much clever complexity to it that you don't even notice. Oh, well, for those of us who dearly love, and I've actually written extensively about both of them. Thank you for those. <laughs> oh, of course, of course. It was, a, it was an honor to be able to do it. You're listening to Greg Airbar's conversation with Christopher Leonard's award-winning composer of such films as Ugly Dolls. Ugly Dolls, the first movie musical to feature a cast of all 
pop stars. Among the artists featured in Ugly Dolls are Kelly Clarkson, Pitbull, Nick Jonas, Blake Shelton, and Janelle Monet. Ugly Dolls, the movie, is playing in theaters everywhere, while the soundtrack for Ugly Dolls is available wherever music is sold. Stay with us, folks. We'll be right back. Okay, so then we move on to the latest animated project that you're doing. And you've done some original songs already, but this is the first full original score where you worked on all of the songs. Exactly. With Glenn Slater. Yeah, this is the first time I've done a full musical, yeah. Glenn Slater's work, for those who don't know and should know, he's one of the cleverest and most inventive The way he bends words around the lines and stuff, he doesn't wreck the music at the expense of the cleverness, which is really hard to do. Very hard to do. It really is. He's he's brilliant with that kind of stuff. He really is very musical himself. And the more you hear the lyrics and the songs, the funnier they get, which is also hard to do. Yep. Yeah, no, that's really true. I I think there's so many little nuggets that might take three or four listens, and then you're like, oh, wait a second, I see what he did there. One of the best things that not enough people know about, but you can still access uh, because it's on DVD and download, is both the soundtrack and all the episodes of Gallivant. (laughs) I know, it was brilliant, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, because it, it was very meta. It kept referring to itself as a show. When it came back for its second season, they sang about that. When it was getting going to get canceled, they sang about that. <laughs> right. It was a really, really funny series, and it's the kind of series that if we weren't so buried in content nowadays, I think people, and maybe someday they will realize in retrospect, gee, how come we didn't notice this more when it was on? Yeah, I hope so. It was really great. It was one of the most fun projects I've been involved in. And, you know, and that's where I met Glenn and Alan. And it just, I, I just, I was like being at school for, for two, two full years of just watching them work with that. It was really, really fantastic. Yeah, I know this is a cliche, but it was like a little movie, uh, like a half-hour movie musical every week. Every week, yeah, absolutely. Which is not easy to do also. <laughs> Definitely not. And when you introduce an original score in a feature film, that's also difficult because you don't have a pre-sold audience. It's one thing to take a Broadway show or do a reboot or a remake or to take a group of pop songs that everybody knows and sprinkle them through a film. But you're creating a brand new group of songs. So that's kind of a daunting task. How do you approach that? Um, well, I mean, the interesting thing about it, I had been wanting to do it for so very long. It's one of the reasons I, I jumped at the chance to work with Alan on so many things. And uh, and I was in musical theater in high school. I was Conrad Birdie and Bye Bye Birdie, and I was in Hello Dolly, and I've always loved musical theater. I've always kind of wanted to really get in there. And it's, it's, you know, they don't like, as you mentioned, they don't make a lot of these. So it's really hard to even get a chance to do something like this. So what happened was that I had done two films, Bad Moms and the sequel to Bad Moms, Bad Moms Christmas, for this company, STX, and developed a great relationship with the music department and the head of music, Jason Markey, over there. And he, out of the blue, called me and said, you know, we've got this movie, and it's animated, and we need an opening song. And at this point, the movie wasn't even a musical. And he said, you know, I had lunch with this guy, Glenn Slater, in New York, who I guess you know, you know, would you want to take a crack at an opening song? 
And so we said yes, and we decided when we wrote this song, and the first thing we wrote was this song couldn't be better, which is the opening of the film, and everybody loved it. And then they signed our director on, Kelly Asbury, who I had previously worked on the Smurfs with a year and a half ago. And he loves musicals. And so he sat down, heard the song, and he told the producers, well, you know what, we need to make this whole movie a musical. And they said, well, we're not sure yet, but let's see. And so they said, let's do two more songs, one for the bad guy and one for the friend who sort of turns things around at the end of Act Two and is the one who convinces Kelly Clarkson's character to sort of fight the battle. And so we wrote two more songs, and they loved those. And at that point, they said, all right, well, now it's a musical. Well, let's go. And so we ended up continuing to write, and we broke down the whole story, and the story was even changing now that we knew it was going to be a musical. And we actually had the great fortune of, at this point, we had gone past originally Pitbull was the only definitive star we had, and then we got Kelly. And we got Kelly Clarkson, who was absolutely my first choice from the get-go. And then once Kelly fell in line, we ended up getting Janelle Monet and Blake Shelton and more and more and more. You're listening to Greg Airbar's conversation with Christopher Leonard's award-winning composer of such films as Ugly Dolls. Ugly Dolls, the first movie musical to feature a cast of all pop stars. Among the artists featured in Ugly Dolls are Kelly Clarkson, Pitbull, Nick Jonas, Blake Shelton, and Janelle Monet. Ugly Dolls, the movie, is playing in theaters everywhere, while the soundtrack for Ugly Dolls is available wherever music is sold. Before we went to break, Christopher was talking about how Ugly Dolls evolved from a movie with just a few songs to a movie that was a full-blown musical, particularly once Kelly Clarkson came aboard. As we pick up the conversation, Christopher is telling Greg, so Once we knew we had Kelly Clarkson and we knew it was going to be a musical, we started really tailoring the story and these songs to go with her, you know, she's such an optimist and such a great, powerful personality, so we started tailoring some songs to go with her, and then quickly, because Kelly signed on, I think we started getting the rest of our cast, which included Blake Shelton and Janelle Monet and Gigi Rexa and all these great singers, and so we started literally writing songs for these people who I already knew and, and knew what they could do, and I, and I loved their music, and so we really tailored a lot of their character, their humor, their delivery, and the songs to be what they do best. And we tailored the story so it all makes sense. You know, no one's ever made a movie musical before that stars just pop stars. And so uh, most of the time you have this situation where you're actually dealing with actors who can't sing and trying to figure out a way either around it or a way to, to kind of make it work. But we had the opposite where we actually had these amazing singers who everyone already really loved their voices and now we get to build a story and a group of songs around them and it was just it was a dream come true well and in a way singers are predisposed to acting because they do perform songs exactly exactly they all sold it just you know they really got it and they know how to push emotions and how to make people feel and that's pretty much the same thing as acting it's just slightly different language but at the same time they were all great at and kelly's just lovable and you know, she just wins your heart over right away in the beginning of the movie and i i think that's one of the things that makes it work so well yeah and there are some standout songs there's one that i can't imagine isn't going to be the breakout one well there's couldn't be better which is sort of the uplifting full yeah. cast one couldn't be better than there a lot, and that actually becomes one of the main themes of the movie, even within the score, yeah. which was really great to be able to do. And that's what Mencken does so well, is to be able to weave the song melodies into the instrumental score, and uh, and I was really able to do that on this one, and that was a big plus, I think. It, it really lets the audience get in touch with the characters. 
There was one right. that was very choral, and that came in a bunch of times where the chorus kind of picked up. Oh, I can tell you. The mythology of the film is that every doll eventually goes to the big world, the real world, and gets chosen by a child to be theirs. And so Moxie, who's Kelly Clarkson's character, starts the film out saying, you know what, today's the day, today's the day it could happen. And it starts with this thing that says there's a child for every doll and a doll for every child. And then once we get to the Institute of Perfection, which is where Nick Jonas's bad guy character is, and his concept is that, okay, well, the only way you get a child is if you're perfect, and you have to listen to me, and I'll show you how to do it, which, of course, we find out later is not the right way. So even there, there's this constant theme of every doll gets a child, every child gets a doll, and if you're perfect enough, it'll happen. And then by the end of the movie, we wonderfully realize that that's not actually the case. You get a doll by being yourself and by being unique and special. And, uh, and that's the real message of the movie and believing in yourself. So we end up using that same refrain from that song, Today is the Day, to keep coming back every time our lead character is thinking about the goal or worrying that it might not happen or even becoming heroic to try to get to the uh, climax. All of those times we get to bring back that theme and say, this is really what the movie's about. I see. So she thinks that's what she wants. Yep. And well, she definitely wants the child, but she comes to the realization that you don't get a child by being perfect. You get a child by being you. And I think that's the real message of the film is being true to yourself. And there's the real lesson. Yeah, and that's a really wonderful lesson in this day and age because kids more than ever are under so much pressure there is this achievement mania going on. We live in a very award and top ten society nowadays. It's all, oh, yeah. all over the media, all over the social networks and stuff. Everything is, let's choose this over that. Open up Facebook and it says, what's your favorite, what's your least favorite? And, <laughs> right. and everybody... You know, we have kids, and as soon as they were school age, what school should they go to? Should they go to that one or that one? What tests should they take? Should they be tested? Which tests? Every parent is worried about what will happen. And, and you're worried about something 20 years away. And so sure. the parents are under pressure. The kids are under pressure. And then you're seeing these images. Uh, let's face it. We see images of perfection in people that don't exist. Not yeah, just, they're not real. No, they're not. But you show that to someone constantly, and it, you set up a goal that constantly makes people feel inadequate. So yeah, here comes true. It's really know. sad. We'll continue our conversation with Christopher Leonard after this quick time out here on TV Confidential. Buying or selling a home can be one of the most stressful things we'll ever do in life, but it doesn't have to be. And no one knows better than our friends at Front Porch Realty Group. Their community of realtors serving the Northern Bay Area of California that cares about their clients as individuals first and foremost. Whether you're a first-time buyer or looking to lease or sell your property in the Bay Area, Front Porch Realty Group will help you through this important transition by providing you with the right information for your situation while lessening the pain. They also work with a network of realtors throughout California who provide the same high caliber of customer service. Call Front Porch Realty Group at 415-886-7411 for a realtor referral near you. You can also visit their website, frontporchrealtygroup.com, for more information on the services they provide, 
including upcoming workshops and seminars. For more information, call 415-886-7411 or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com. Front Porch Realty Group. They'll find the solution that works best for you. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential, x.com forward slash tvconfidential, or at TV Confidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay Area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411 or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.